You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. And we have a special episode today. Um, I interview 1% for the Planet CEO, Kate Williams. And the reason this episode is special is because uh, when I started my company, Emerger Strategies, uh, one of the first things I did was become a 1% for the Planet member because um, I wanted to give back to environmental nonprofits that are working to solve environmental problems like climate change. And so when I reached out to Kate, um, I was really excited that she accepted to to do the interview uh, because this organization means a lot to me personally. So in this interview, we take a deep dive into 1% for the Planet, uh, their recent partnership with Bank of the West. I'm looking at challenges as opportunities and hope for the future for our planet. Hope you enjoy. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies, a sustainable business consultancy whose mission is to solve the climate crisis by helping your business go carbon neutral and zero waste. To learn more, visit EmergerStrategies.com. So... Today, I have Kate Williams, CEO of 1% for the Planet. Uh, Thanks for joining the Sustainable Angler podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Um, So, Kate, I kind of wanted to learn a little bit more just to to get things started out um, or kicked off, I should say, um, about how did you wind up working at 1% for the planet and and what was your background? I guess, can you just tell us a little bit more about, about yourself? Sure. So, you know, in terms of how I wound up here, I, you know, I'd say it's a little combination of preparation and serendipity, which I think is true for a lot of life in my experience, at least probably a lot of fishing as well. <laughs> um, but so I, you know, I've always, ever since college, my work and as well as, you know, my passion has been the outdoors and the environment. Um, And so, you know, that's where the sort of preparation comes in. I've just, basically when I was 18, I had kind of a mountaintop experience in Wyoming and just realized like, I love this. I love these wild places and I want to do whatever I can to connect other people to these experiences, but also to make sure that we have a healthy planet for the future. So in some way or another, I've always been working in, you know, one of those two categories. You know, I was an outdoor educator for the first 10 years after college. And then I switched over to being more on the kind of conservation advocacy side, working in nonprofits. And, um, the kind of last leg of the journey, you know, was definitely serendipity. 1% for the planet for a while was based in the small town in Vermont where I lived just somewhat randomly. And so I got to know (laughs) the team there and my, I was at my other job was uh, I actually ran a long distance paddling trail um, across Northern New England on which there's a lot of great fishing. Um, but I did that for 10 years and was just kind of ready for a change and ended up having some conversations with the 1% for the planet team and joined as the director of partnerships. And then a year later became CEO. So it's been, a, been a great journey. That's amazing. That's super cool. So I have a, 
it, it's pretty funny. And maybe this is kind of common for, it probably is a, a common story for, for folks who kind of fall in love with, um, ha- have, have an, ex- an experience outdoors that triggered, cause it happened to me also, mm-hmm. uh, triggers you to go, you know, I, I, I think that it's almost like you find your purpose and that you go, you know, I, I think I, I want to make sure that this is here forever. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you, and ultimately you protect what you love. So um, I'm curious, you, you mentioned, I used to live in Jackson hole. Um, so you mentioned a mountain in Wyoming. Where, where was it when you sort yeah. of had your, your, your moment? Yeah. So I, when I was 18, like, it was like three or four days after I graduated from high school. I, I grew up outside of Boston in a little town called Belmont. And, um, I was given a course with the National Outdoor Leadership School for my graduation present. My parents gave me that. And, um, so I got on a plane and flew out to Wyoming. And so I was in the Wind River Range. Um, and we did, I actually don't remember the, um, the peaks, but it was at Haley Pass, um, Uh in the wind wind river range, we had actually just evacuated one of our instructors who broke his leg. And we had, this had been like a 24 hour experience during which there had been a July snowstorm. And, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things that in many ways was horrible. Right. And, but I just remember this moment when the sun was setting, you know, that we had actually, it was a helicopter evac, which was pre cell phone. So require all sorts of effort. And, um, you know, we were exhausted and hungry and, feet were wet and all of those things that you could complain about, but it was so beautiful. And we had just had such a feeling of accomplishment and, um, you know, the instructor was safe. And so that was my moment on Haley pass in the wind river range at sunset. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, for, I, I, I can't pinpoint my moment, but it was, I got introduced to fly fishing when I moved out West and just kind of fell in love with that, with the sport and everything that it involved, you know, learning entomology and um, Mm. camping and just being outside. And, um, it was just, uh, over the course of a few years, it just kind of evolved into a, like, this is what I want to do. I just want to protect this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I I do have one follow-up question also. Um, I would love to just hear just briefly about the, uh, your, your kayak trail. Cause that sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was my life work for 10 solid years. I, I, um, so it's a long distance trail based on historic native travel routes, East, West across Northern New England and the Adirondacks. And, and the reason, you know, water routes were so important is that most of the all of the geography in that area is, is north south. So you have the Green Mountains, the White Mountains, and then other ranges that run north south. So it's pretty hard to get east west. And so the rivers were really important for a long time for travel. And so there were these guys in the um, in the like late 80s, 90s who really mapped out like how did people travel across and how did they connect different watersheds. And so from that basis, this, this long distance trail was born as a, you know, connecting a bunch of those different routes. So it went from the Western edge of the Adirondacks up through Northern Vermont and into Quebec and then back into New Hampshire and fin- and about half of the trail was in Maine kind of going way up into Northern Maine and ending at Fort Kent. Um, and it was 
really amazing. It was 740 miles. Wow. People through paddle it, but it was also really well set up for, um, and, and it connected a bunch of different watersheds. So it wasn't like through paddling. It meant you got on like the Mississippi river and followed it to its, to the mouth. It was more like you got on and paddled upstream here and downstream there and portaged here. So it was, it was definitely a really big adventure, but people did it in sections or, you know, I never did all of it. Um, but I did a lot of parts of it. Um, you know, usually going, I, I usually chose to go downstream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really great. It went right through communities. So we had really strong ties to the communities we went through and, um, we did all the mapping. So we developed a whole set of maps covering it and worked with each of the states to promote it and, you know, drive business to local guide services. We didn't create any of our own businesses in that way. Um, just cause we really wanted it to be a driver for economic impact. And we definitely had, um, you know, we, our, our purpose wasn't fishing, but we definitely had a lot of people interested in like kayaking and fishing. And, you know, we would get, we would, get and collect and also help promote, you know, what are some of the best fishing spots along the way and things like that, or birding or, you know, where can you paddle and hike? So we really tried to put the pieces together for people. Um, that is super cool. Like you've got my wheels turning like a hundred miles an hour. Like I want to <laughs> do it and, and bring my fly rod. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that, that's cool. Um, okay. So you have, uh, you, you had your background and, and sort of fell in love with outdoors and you're at 1% for the planet. And for those of you who don't know, um, Emerger Strategies and um, well, this podcast, um, The Sustainable Angler, we donate 1% of our sales um, through 1% for the planet to environmental nonprofits. Um, so we're a proud 1% for the planet member. That said, um, Kate, what, could, could you give us a, a, a an elevator pitch, I guess, for, for sure. those listening to this who maybe have not, are not familiar with 1% for the planet? Yeah. And thank you for giving such a great elevator pitch as a member. Um, uh, so yeah, the way it works is that we have member companies all over the world um, who give, uh, and, and the way they become members is that they commit to giving annually 1% of their top line sales to environmental nonprofits. Um, and we're not a foundation, so the money doesn't pass through us. We just help make it happen and help tell the story of the impact and um, you know, really help develop giving strategies for members who you know, care about different issues but may not know exactly what the best way or best nonprofit is to give to. Um, we have also have individual memberships. So in total, we have about 4,500 members Globally, we're about half U.S. at this point, half international, and our, we're in all different industries. So it's not just outdoor-oriented businesses. You know, we have a bank that opened that created a one percent for the planet checking account, Bank of the West. We have um, architecture firms. We have fashion brands. We have, you know, pretty much you name it. It's all you know some some crazy wonderful brands across different different industries. And then likewise, on the nonprofit side, we aren't focused on just one issue. We have, we organize our nonprofits into six different categories just to, so our brains can handle it. Um, So climate, food, land, water, wildlife, and pollution. Um, And that also helps companies to 
you know, identify, you know, Hey, you know, we're a, um, we're a fashion brand that creates a lot of clothing, you know, that people might wear in the summer and go to the beach. So maybe we should focus on the water area and give to, you know, some nonprofits, one or more nonprofits that are working on issues related to ocean health or something like that. You know, the, there's, we, we help sort of develop that kind of logic. Cause what we really want to see is, um, brands, having the opportunity to see how your giving isn't just a nice thing that you do at the end of the year. If you have a little money left over, it can actually become this really great part of your strategy. And it can be a great way that you grow your brand and just tell a really powerful story, which consumers really want to hear these days. I mean, people want to buy from brands who are, you know, legitimately and authentically connecting to and driving purpose. Yeah, I, I I I couldn't agree more, and and I'll and I'll say that as a as sort of a, a testimonial um, as a one percent for the planet member, and anyone considering it, if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about, it, I don't know. There, there's a, there's a few things you should know. Um, one is one percent for the planet is very easy and simple, and it's uh, a pretty relatively straightforward process to become a member. It's not like this long, complex uh, process. So it's, so it's easy to do. Uh, secondly, um, I really like that it's broken down into buckets. A uh, big focus of Emerger Strategies is solving the climate crisis. So it's really easy for me to go in and um, and I've actually found some nonprofits that I wasn't even aware of that are doing amazing climate work. Um, that are sort of like on my list of, okay, I've sort of narrowed it down and maybe next year or this year, you know, I'll donate to this one because um, I really like what they're doing. So it's, it's easy to find where you, what you're look, how you're looking to make an impact and do that. And then as Kate said, it becomes part of your, um, your culture and your identity and it makes um, for good marketing um, and good in the sense that, you know, you're, you're being rewarded for, for doing the right thing. Um, because that's what ultimately at the end of the day, the consumers are increasingly looking for. And the 1% for the planet logo is very identifiable and it makes it easy for them when they see that to automatically say, okay, this company cares. If I'm considering two comparable products, one's a member, one's not, I'm going to support the 1% for the planet member. Um, so, all that's to say is thanks for making this such a an easy um, and simple thing to do. And also, um, I recently just made because of COVID, we you know everything got pushed, and so I recently just um, got all my tax returns and all that stuff figured out so that I can make my donation. And um, I'll say it's like probably one of my favorite days of the year um, when I get to sit down and write those checks and make those donations and know that, you know, as a, uh, the success of, of, of your business is making a positive impact and it almost becomes like a, a positive feedback loop. And so mm-hmm. you're doing well by doing good and you're, you're donating to those who um, are out there working on solving problems that you, that you're concerned about. Um, so it's just a, a kind of a virtuous cycle. Um, and, proud to be a part of it. So that's my, that's my plug. You should be a member. Awesome. And that's, thank you so much for um, just nailing the values. And and that makes me so, so happy to hear that, you know, you're, 
experiencing all of that because that's that's what we're that's what we're all about so that's really great to hear thank you for stating that all so clearly and we would <laughs> love for, love for others to join because that uh, you know one thing I would add too is it's a really great community um, and you know in when we're not in the midst of a pandemic we do a lot of events and have a global summit annually that is a great way to connect. But even when we're just virtual, we have members who are learning from each other and getting ideas from each other and getting inspired by each other. And as you said, Rick, also, you know, learning about new nonprofits and new ways to drive change. So the community effect is a really powerful piece of it as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so one, one of the things you mentioned, and I've read some articles about this, and I want to hear more about it because um, it's a really, uh, it, it sounds really exciting. And uh, could you just tell us a little bit more about this Bank of the West 1% for the Planet sort of partnership and, and what that means? Yeah, definitely. I just got my, um, my debit card from and for the planet checking account yesterday. So perfect timing. Um, so, so yeah, bank of the West is a major bank. Um, and they are a major bank to watch cause they are the, the leading major bank in terms of, um, committing to use their money to drive positive change and not to support negative change. And specifically they are very clear about not investing in, projects that um, drive climate change. So, you know, they're not investing in projects in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. They, they also have other environmental filters. They're not investing in tobacco or palm oil. Um, and they're, they're recognized, like when, you know, different studies do like rankings of banks, they always come out near the top for the policies that they have. So, they're a really great bank. And then they, um, we got connected and they want to do more. And so with their 1% for the planet partnership, they've created this checking account, which is a new account and, um, it doesn't cost the depositors anything. So if you were to put your money there, it wouldn't be like you'd lose 1%. They take 1% off what they, you know, the, the interest that they earn, um, and then they also, so, so then they're, and they're investing that in environmental nonprofits right now. One of their big partners is Protect Our Winters, yep. um, who's a great uh, nonprofit working on climate change issues and engaging athletes to, you know, kind of spread the word. And they have, you know, very active presence. So really, really great nonprofit. So you put your money in that bank account and not only is 1% of, you know, what they make going to uh, environmental nonprofits, but also the money that you're deposited, which is always doing something, it's not just sitting there in a bank account, is being invested in ways that are aligned with your values. It's not being invested in fossil fuel projects. Um, so it's a really, really great way to um, kind of double the difference that you're making. And it's really opened my eyes to the um, the role of finance and how important it is for all of us who really care about what we're doing and are making choices and other aspects of our lives to just think about where you're banking and go ask at your bank, you know, they should know that you care about that. So, um, so I highly recommend it. And it's a, it's a fabulous 
um, product too. I'm sorry if I'm rambling on too long, but no, not the at all. Card, the debit card itself is compostable. Um, and then every month when you get your statement, you also get a statement of the carbon footprint of your transactions. So they have this company that they're working with called Duconomy. That's a really amazing company based in uh, Scandinavia. And they have figured out how to calculate the carbon transaction of all your financial transactions. So you can really learn about your purchases and, and, uh, and move toward, you know, making changes and mitigating those impacts. So through and through, it's a really, really great opportunity to drive change. Yeah, that is super. Um, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, that, they, that, that these tools exist now. So that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that, and, and I, and, you know, honestly, I didn't quite, have um i guess my my head wrapped around the role that like your what your money does in the bank like you know it's like okay well i deposit this money in the bank and i just you know with without being a finance person or anything like that you just kind of think well that's my money it's just sitting in my account and that's not how it works um yeah yeah that was kind of i forget which article i read about it but i was like no way i was like i mean it was kind of mind-blowing to me it's definitely a biggie and it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money sitting in the bank or little like you know what i what i like about 1% overall in this checking account account you know really embodies it is you know everyone has you know has 1% everyone has resources that are you know big or small how you you know make how you sort of reflect your choices in the world so you know whether you're like most of us and just, you know, kind of trying to pay your bills and have, you know, some money in the bank, that money is still, when it, whenever it's deposited, it's, it's part of what the bank is using to invest. And, um, and so it, it is going out in the world and doing things and it can do really good things for the planet or it can do not so good things. And um, so it's really important that all of us are, and this is, I'm sort of newly aware of this as well. So I feel like I've got like the zeal of the newly initiated because it's just so clear to me that that's a big opportunity for all of us to not only feel more aligned in that our values are, you know, really consistent across all that we're doing, but also really to, to drive some change. Yeah, totally. And and it, and it, it kind of reminds me, um, as I'm sure you, you've read also, but it's kind of the, the, the book that got me on this whole sustainable business path was let my people go surfing by Von Chouinard. And mm-hmm. one of the, the takeaways and, and something that I've, as a, as a sustainability consultant that, that I've taken from that is, you know, basically you're, you're, you're just starting to ask questions and it's no different if you were a manufacturer and you started to wonder, like, hey, I wonder what the environmental impact, you know, of making our product is, or I wonder, you know, what is the social impact of that? And so you start to ask these questions, and this is just kind of a, a different way of doing that, of just going, well, I've got my money in the bank. I've never, I, you'd have no reason to wonder what your money was doing in the bank, frankly. But mm-hmm. someone asked that question, right? And that's how this thing probably got started. It's going, mm-hmm. well, what is my money doing in there? And, yeah, definitely. And, on, and I don't support that. And so it's just this process of, you know, asking questions and sort of leading this exam in life that I think is starting to open people's eyes up to kind of what's going on behind the scenes. 
Definitely. And one thing I would say on that, which ties to sort of 1% broadly is one of the things we hear from members, both business and individual is that it can feel really overwhelming to know what to do. Um, and, you know, even I'm imagine like, and I know when I sort of first heard kind of clued into the fact that my money in the bank, you know, was, you know, maybe not doing what I wanted it to do. I felt like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I didn't know that. But that what we really encourage is don't feel overwhelmed. Just recognize like, great. Now you've learned something and you can do something. And, and again, that idea that everyone has a 1%, we like to think about that literally um, in terms of, you know, the way our membership model works, but also figuratively, because it kind of reminds us, you know, break it down to size. If you are 1% better every day, um, and if you imagine that you're doing that 1% better, if you're kind of leveraging your 1% every day and everyone around you is too, it adds up. And that's what we are seeing. So last year um, we certified uh, more than 27 million in giving to environmental nonprofits. And that's made up of tiny companies, you know, individuals with, you know, their babysitting money and right up to high net worth individuals and big companies. And everyone is equal. It's like truly democratic. Everyone is giving their 1% and it all, you know, it all adds up to a really big number driving change and everyone owns that number. So we really hope that that can help break down the overwhelm and, and make it more manageable just to chunk it out into, you know, 1% every day. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I mean, that that's what makes it, you know, so, sort of fair. It's not saying, Hey, you know, you, you, it, it's just 1% of whatever you have. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're all, we're all in it together. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's an important note, and another important thing, because um, you see this, and um, is that one? There's a difference between you know one percent of your gross sales or your revenue versus one percent of your gross profit, mm-hmm. um, and that's a that's a that's a big difference. And one percent for the planet members, just to, to be clear, you know we're all giving. One percent of our total sales for the year. Not this is before tax, before anything. So it that's what makes it a real commitment. Um, but it's also something that's manageable and can be done. Um, you just know that going into it, that hey, this is you know part, this is part of the deal. And if if you know we're projecting what we're going to do, I know that this is about what um, we're going to be donating and and being prepared mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, thanks for calling that out because that's a common misconception. I mean, most people assume it must be profits because how can you commit to 1% until you know that you've got enough profit to do that? But it's actually, you're, you're spot on that it's very intentionally sales, not only because that's a sort of more real number than profits. Um, you know, there's, there's you know, no way that you change what your sales are. They are what they are. Um, also, though, it, it's a really strong statement of, you know what, no matter how we do, we are still committed to the planet. So even if we have a year that where we don't hit our target, um, or if we have a tough year, the planet still needs us. And, and any sales that we did, we, we still need to give 1% to the planet. And that's, that's a, you know, been a really important piece of it from the get go. You know, you mentioned Yvonne's book, Let My People Go Surfing. And for him, 
he, um, you know, we don't necessarily use this as a marketing phrase, but he talks about it as an earth tax. Like, you know, you don't get to decide if you want to support the planet that sustains all of us. You commit to doing that and you do it, you know, come hell or high water, um, which we are experiencing these days, I would say. And, but that's just a really important, um, kind of piece of what the commitment is. And I think that actually is highly important to a lot of our members. And, you know, it's certainly a value of our team, just the, like how important that commitment is. Well, it, you know, and it, what it is, I think once if people actually understand that too, it adds as a, you know, if you're a consumer, if you understand that's what the company is doing, then that adds a whole nother level of sort of respect and, um, integrity and, ad- and admiration for them and even more of a reason to support them. Cause you know, that, um, they're, 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 they're committed and, and they're in it, um, versus, you know, a company just stating that, you know, a, a portion of sales go to conservation, you know, or, 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 or whatever the case may be that that's, a, that's a totally different thing than saying, no, I, I commit 1% of my sales. Um, so that's just one thing that I would point out if you're not familiar with 1% for the planet members is that's what they're committing to. Um, and that's quite different than, um, just saying, Hey, we donate some proceeds of this product or, you know, that, 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 that's great. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean the same thing. Exactly. And I would say just, you know, we also, and this is, you know, part of our work is to communicate this, but, you know, we want consumers to know that it's, you know, it's 1% of sales certified every single year. So, you know, we look at tax returns for our businesses, we, and then we match that to the receipts of their giving. So it's a very authentic and real commitment year in and year out. Um, and, you know, and that matters because it's, it can be, it's easy to say a lot of things, um, but to say them and do them and to have, you know, to build a level of trust that that's happening is really important to us because, you know, we, we want to create a way that people, that, that we can create this virtuous cycle, as you were saying earlier, of, you know, consumers saying, hey, given the choice, I'm going to choose 1%. So that drives more sales. So that drives a bigger 1%. So that drives more giving. Um, so, so it's just a really, you know, really important um, connection. Yeah. All right. So, so 1% has uh, been on the, the up and up, it seems like uh, more members. Have, has there been any challenge? Cause you've been the CEO for, for how long now? Uh, five years. Five years. Um, has there been any challenges or hurdles that, um, that, that you'd care to talk about at all that, that in, in terms of um, growing 1% for the planet to where it is, to, where it is today? Sure. Yeah. I mean, of course there's always challenges. Um, uh, but I will say they're, they're of the good type of challenge. Um, meaning, um, you know, figuring out how to grow and then figuring out how to deal with growth. So, you know, on that latter piece, being a small nonprofit experiencing high growth, you know, we've had times where we've had to kind of catch up from a capacity standpoint, you know, with, um, when, so for example, in the first half of this year, we had close to 700 new members join. Um, and you know, we pride ourselves and work really hard to provide great service to all our members. 
um, when you suddenly have 700 new ones after, you know, the, the prior year in 2019, uh, over the course of the year, we brought on more than 900 new members. So, you know, that's a lot of relationships and, and we, you know, we aren't hiring staff, new staff every month to manage those. So, you know, we, we had some catch up to do and we had some sort of busy, um, days and heavy workloads in the meantime, you know, we are, we are catching up, um, and, you know, working on that and, and figuring out our, you know, systems to provide the best support. So, you know, that's on the internal side of just, you know, managing growth. And then, um, which again, is like great challenge, um, exactly the challenge you want to have. Um, I think the, the other fun challenges are, you know, which are, I, you know, recast as opportunities, which doesn't mean they're easy, um, is, you know, figuring out what is, what does it look like to grow in the ways that we want to grow? Because for us as a nonprofit, and this isn't the case for all nonprofits, you know, growth ties to impact. So more members, more giving, more money going out to nonprofits, more impact. So for us, you know, growing, um, is, is directly tied to delivering our mission. And so, you know, we think about like, all right, so when we get to 10,000 members, you know, what does that look like? What do, like, what do we, what do we need to do to get there? And what are, you know, so how do we, uh, adapt to deliver on some of those kinds of strategies? Um, and, and then how do we, um, support that? What tech do we need? What new positions do we need? What is, you know, how, how do we manage a growing remote team? Right now we have, 20 close to 21 we're hiring someone 21 people on our team and we have um a core group in burlington vermont which is where our headquarters is but then we also have people on the west coast and in st louis and uh in boston and and so just you know managing all of that and then also you know being really well connected to a global network of members so you know they're all just really great, um, challenges, you know, moment, the challenge moments, or it's interesting to look back because like when Trump was elected or, um, you know, when there are wildfires or when this pandemic hits, you know, it always creates, it changes the environment. So it changes, you know, literally environment, but also just the environment in which we're operating. And, you know, so we get new questions and that, you know, flags for us new things that we need to do and new ways of working. So, um, so lots, lots of learning always, but I think we're well set up to, you know, we like that we're, you know, we like being a learning organization. So, yeah. you know, we're well set up for that, but so real challenges, you know, all of which, you know, I can easily flip to also being opportunities. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I feel like, you know, it's almost like a, um, you, you kind of have to be that way. Otherwise it, it, it it's overwhelming. So it's a, mm-hmm. here, th- this is an opportunity. And, and it sounds like maybe those are some of the lessons, um, that would probably be beneficial for, for any organization, you know, and, and, and again, it kind of is going back to what we were talking about earlier is you're, <laughs> you're asking a lot of questions, right. And, and, and that's part of it, right. You got to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. whether, whether it's, what's our environmental impact or, Hey, we're growing like, all right, well, what do we need to do? What does this look like? So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. interesting to, I've never kind of put those two together, but I'm always learning on, on these two. So, so mm-hmm. thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right. So we're, we are on the sustainable angler, Kate. And I, and so I have to ask, um, do you, do you get out and do much fishing at all? Um, is that a part of, uh, something that you, part of your outdoor, I guess, uh, enjoyment? Uh, I'll be straight up and say, it's not right now. Like, my go-to for getting outdoors. Um, but I, I will also say like I grew up in a family of fishermen and they were my brothers and my dad. So I can say fishermen. Um, (laughs) we, uh, have a cabin, which is an old fishing camp on a lake in Maine. And, uh, I have like awesome memories of my dad getting us up early and we'd go out and troll for, um, Northern Pike on the lake. And I remember those were really, really fun to catch because they put up a good fight. So I remember as a little kid being like super excited about that. And, and then my, one of my, well, actually both my brothers and my dad were really into fly fishing. And uh, one brother now lives out on the Yellowstone river. So we have had some fun fly fishing out there. He was actually a guide for a short period of time. So I, I, and, and when I was, in Wyoming, in the mountains there, you know, we would definitely fish and, you know, have some good meals actually with that. Yeah. So That's I have a lot of fishing. I'm, I'm kind of a person who likes to move around a lot. Like I'm much more happy. Like if someone wants to go fishing, it's like, great, let's go to the beautiful place where you're going to go fishing. And I'm going to go climb that peak over there. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit more who I am, but I have a deep appreciation for the, you know, the experiences that I've had fishing and also for, you know, the way it kind of gets you to beautiful places. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and something that you, you, you just said, so I, I took, um, hopefully I'm, I'm, my daughter is 22 months old. Um, mm-hmm. so last year we took her to Jack back out to Jackson. It was our first time, my wife and I, the first time, uh, the weed been back, since we lived out there um, from, we were living in Wyoming from 2008 to 2011, and we hadn't been back since we moved back east. I'm in Charleston, South, or mm-hmm. we're in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Um, so anyway, I took uh, my daughter, Emma Claire, um, in a backpack and took her out and we went fishing and she, she will probably, you know, she won't, she's too young to remember that. But you mentioned like, Oh, you have these wonderful memories of that. And that's sort of what I'm hope to instill in, 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 in her, you know, is, mm-hmm. um, is those memories. And, and I think you probably apply that to a lot of outdoor activities. You know, those are things that, um, kids remember, you know, I remember every time we went camping, you know, growing up and, um, and and things like that. And so that, 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 that's pretty cool that, you know, even though, um, your thing is, is your thing more climbing or are you a climber? Not so much a climber. I mean, I have climbed, but I'm really more like, I'm kind of an aerobic person. So I love, you know, going for long hikes and long trail runs and things like that. But I will say just listening to you made me realize like the, the, I think, uh, the great, um, takeaway from all the f- different fishing experiences that I've had, which is very much still with me, is just the observation, like how you study the water and understand the water. And I think that's like, I love that about it, you know, just like really understanding the stream and where would a fish be and what's happening here and what's the hatch. And so maybe I need to get back into fishing. You're kind of getting me interested <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, 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 you can, you can go for a, long hike in stop and uh and fish for an hour and long hike yeah yeah that sounds good and I will say my son who's 18 and who's you know also spent a lot of time 
fishing in Maine growing up. He, this summer, because, you know, we were, you know, all plans were off kind of thing. He and his friends just got really into fishing. They just like throw the canoe on the car and go, we live in a place in Vermont where you can, you know, go onto this one reservoir and they'd go fishing. And, you know, so I also appreciate that it's a great way for some teenage boys to hang out and have fun and hopefully mostly make good choices. And, um, and they, they seem to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's super fun, you know, and you, if you mix some camping in and, you know, catch your dinner mm-hmm. or your breakfast, it, it becomes yep. a, a really fun experience. Um, all right. So, um, what are some of the, so you, 1% has sort of these core, um, areas like climate, food, um, you know, for me, just with my business and also because I have a, 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 a young daughter that I'm concerned mm-hmm. about the, the impact of climate change in the world that she'll be growing up in. Um, are there areas that, uh, cause you know, obviously everyone's concerned about all of it, but for me, it's climate is sort of my, mm-hmm. my thing is, is there an area that, um, you're more, um, focused on or, or I, I don't, I don't really know how to ask this question, but, um, as an organization, is there one that we're more focused on? No, or? no, just, uh, you oh, as an me, individual. Me yeah. personally. Um, I would say that I, I t- you know, like, so where like, I'm an individual member, I've chose to be one of the, our founding individual members. And, you know, I give, do my giving both locally in our community and then to organizations that have really meant a lot to me. So, for example, the National Outdoor Leadership School, which I mentioned, you know, which was sort of how I had that experience when I was 18. So I, they're, you know, they're an organization that I give to because I really believe in the importance of creating that opportunity for people to fall in love with the outdoors and connect to it in a really, you know, meaningful way. And then locally, um, you know, I, there's a um, local path organization that, you know, gets the permission and maintains these great local trails um, through our valley. Um, and that's just so important to the sort of well-being of the people in our valley. And so, and there's a, a um, nonprofit that looks out for the health of our, the river, the Mad River that goes through our valley. So I, you know, I really believe in that sort of local giving. And I would say that's actually what we see a lot with our members is, you know, that often as they sort of go through thinking about where they want to give, they start with that, like, what's the big issue area that means the most to me? And then depending on the size of the company and sort of how, where their geographic footprint is, they're giving often sort of drills down into, you know, some local ways that they can drive change relative to that big issue area. And also where they're a lot of times too, where their employees can see and touch and feel that giving because it, you know, we are, and I would say increasingly seeing that for a lot of companies, the giving their 1% commitment is really, really important to their employees. And so the more those staff members can feel connected with, with the giving and have opportunities to go out and do volunteer stuff and things like that is really important. And then one last thing I'd say is I, I, I haven't, done a lot of giving in this area, although I certainly, you know, use my purchasing dollars in this area, which is, you know, local and regenerative food, um, just because I believe that's an issue that touches, or it, it, it that's a, a way to solve so many different issues. So regenerative agriculture is such an important um, tool relative to climate change. It's also a way that, you know, land becomes healthier and there's less pollution. It's also a way that you know, habitat 
can be, you know, better connected. So there's so many good aspects to that. So definitely very interested in that. And we do see a lot of our members supporting different nonprofits working in that space. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's funny, you know, that you, you said that, and that's the exact same thing that I did too for, with emerger strategies is I would I always donate to a bigger nonprofit. And then I'd also, also donate to local nonprofits because mm-hmm. it's like the ones that, you know, we're volunteering with and are, mm-hmm. are involved with. So um, might be an effective strategy for anyone considering joining too. Um, to think about that you can kind of look at the big picture and then also make that local impact and make your community a a better place to sort of live and work. Yep. And then one thing too, just, you know, in the spirit of what you're saying earlier about like always learning, I mean, one big area of learning for our team this year has been around, you know, the issue of racial equity. And, and so we've been putting a lot of thought into and work into you know, something that we had that was that was already underway, but we've really accelerated our learning in this area in terms of you know what's the intersection between environment and you know just social justice, racial justice issues because there there are a lot of you know deep and important connections, and so you know we're expanding the list of nonprofits that we have in our network who are working in that that kind of overlapping space. So that's an, uh, that's a really important area to me that, that I feel like I'm doing a lot of learning and that our team and our model, there's a lot of learning going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it kind of makes sense. Cause like when, when you look at it from a, like when I was learning about sustainable business and so like, it's like, what does that mean? Um, and so the easiest way to describe it is through, at least to me anyway, is what's called the triple bottom line. So you have your, economic bottom line, but you also have your environmental and social bottom line and they're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably a, um, that, that's, that's an example of that, of, of, of looking into, you know, uh, social justice as, as part of your social bottom line that's directly connected to the environment and climate and, and, and things of that nature. So that's, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, all right, Kate, well, I, I do like to also, I mean, we talked about a lot of, a lot of great stuff today. Um, but I also do like to in sort of wrap things up with a really positive success story or, um, a message of hope or, 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 or something just really, um, in, in inspiring, um, for, for the listeners to sort of walk away from and, and want to maybe take action. So do you have anything, I know this is off the cuff, so kind of yeah. in a loaded question. But. No, it's great. I mean, I have to say like I, 1% for the planet is a really hopeful model, you know, no matter what is going on in the world that there, are, you know, I can just like think of one of our nonprofits or think of a member partnership and it's like, oh, that's hopeful. And actually at our global summit last year, we had a woman who runs a company called All Good. They make really great products, sunscreens and things like that, that are all you know very natural and healthy. You've probably heard of them and be great to use on the water while you're fishing. But um, yeah. she is an amazing woman and she kind of gave us all at the summit this idea of hope spots, like places where the pieces are getting put together and good things are happening. And, you know, 1% for the planet is like, creating all these hope spots all over the world. So to be more specific, I guess I'd say, you know, when 
the pandemic hit and, you know, from, you know, April 1st, middle of March, um, April 1st through June, we were kind of thinking like, who knows, like, are, are any new members going to join? Are we going to, you know, what's going to happen? And we actually have grown. We've had more new members join in 2020 during that second quarter than in any other year. Um, wow. And awesome. Yeah. And this is, you know, and it's, in some cases, it's, you know, businesses who are in industries that are doing well, because as we know, like there's some industries that are thriving, you know, in these, like the particular circumstances that we find ourselves in. Yep. Um, but it's not solely those members that are doing really well. It's, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's companies who are saying, you know what, seeing everything that's going on has been such a wake up call. And, you know, we just have to align our business with doing the right thing. And so we want to join 1%. So for me, the like takeaway hope in that is that, you know, so many people and, you know, people run companies, people make these decisions. So many people are just so like resilient and, um, able to sort of think beyond the immediate to see what we need to do for the future. So, you know, for me, that's what gives me hope because it's like, all right, if, if we can be resilient and gritty together and get through this and make commitments to our planet and to each other, then then we've got this. We can we can make it through. Um, and that's certainly the message we've been feeling, you know, as as with every path, passing month, our network continues to grow strong and stay strong. Well, that's that's awesome, Kate, and that, that's probably the, the perfect note to wrap on. <laughs> Great, excellent. Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler podcast, and special thanks to Kate Williams of One Percent for the Planet for carving some time out for me, and for all of the good work that One Percent for the Planet is doing. If you're not a 1% for the Planet member, I would encourage you to uh, consider it and visit 1%fortheplanet.org to learn more. Um, if you'd like to, so if you like what you're hearing, um, don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a rating and review on the Sustainable Angler, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks and have a good one.